0: We've been growing our successful businesses online and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 101. Now, John and I just got back from a trade show and it sparked an interesting show topic. John and Jory Brigham had a build off set up right in the middle of the show floor. And building out of your comfort zone and out of your normal space is just one example of adversity that you might have to, to face. Now, you might be dealing with a new type of build or trying to jam more jobs through your shop than you can handle. But overcoming adversity is a staple of a successful business. And we'll touch on some learnings
1: that we've had over the years and some takeaways that have helped us out. Yeah. And ironically, the trade show we were at was Woodcraft's yearly vendor trade show. Um, A really awesome experience. I know it was Brad's first, my second Um, And as you guys know, we are super excited to have the support of Woodcraft this year on Made for Profit as well. Um, And if you're not familiar, Woodcraft is one of the nation's oldest and largest suppliers of quality woodworking tools and supplies uh, with stores in more than 70 cities across the U.S. um, and an amazing website. Woodcraft is both mine and Brad's go-to woodworking tools and supplier. For all of our listeners, new and old, be sure to use the amazing code that Woodcraft has benefited us with. Um, That is all capital letters, MFP, and you can get free shipping in the lower 48 states on all orders. So once again, we want to thank Woodcraft for supporting the show and for supporting the MFP tribe. Absolutely. And by all orders,
0: John means all orders that are not massive machines, because that does not work on the like... (laughs) You can't five, five
1: power three tons
0: of tools. No, no, it doesn't because the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for most of the stuff, most of the small accessories, but uh, yeah, if it's got 150 bucks for shipping, uh, we can't help you out there. Sorry about that. But before we do get into it, we want to thank some new members that joined the MFP patron tribe and some that have joined over the last week because uh, we didn't hit that on episode 100, but we had James Lemon, Andrew Vahey, Tim Flanagan, Will White, and Red River Custom Carpentry. Thank you so much for joining the tribe, guys. And if you would like to be part of the tribe, you could head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit, get access to the after show and some other cool rewards. So check that out. Ah, dude, for I tell you what, first of all, that that yeah, that trade show is my first time, like you said. And it is a closed event. So um, if you are not familiar with what a trade show is, uh and from a retail perspective, so I had, you know, I spent 17 years in corporate America, and then the last uh, 10 with retailers. So we had very similar things in the retailers that I worked with. Basically, uh, it is where a retailer brings in all of their vendors and then typically either their store managers, district managers, depending upon how big the company is, store owners, whatever that looks like. And it's just a time for everybody to have a chance to meet all the vendors directly and see new products that are coming out and all that. So if you can kind of just imagine going into a Woodcraft uh, and all of the items that you see there, a lot of those vendors, if not all of those vendors were in the trade show. So it was like a playground of just woodworking toys and tools and yeah. seeing new stuff coming up and they were demonstrating some things. So just kind of setting perspective and it was in a convention center. So this is not like, you know, you know, in a woodworking shop or something. This is in a huge, like, I don't even, I don't even know, like what, 200, 500 no, it was feet huge. wide. I, I don't know how.
1: It was huge, oh but I mean, the like it's got a big, carpeted floor. It's got, yeah, it's, 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 it's like, yeah, maybe like, like a football, yeah.
0: yeah, standard convention center type show. If you've ever been to one, uh, right. And then, so right in the middle of that, <laughs> yes. were John and Jory, uh, with a makeshift shop. What, yeah. what did you have there? Like, yeah, hit, hit them up with like, what was the, the build up
1: and the, uh, the deal with that? Because, uh, you were obviously closer to that than me. Well, so to continue on like the journey of setting the stage last year, I attended the show as Woodcraft was, uh, was the first year that they were um, sponsoring my personal channel. Um, and so they had me come out to the show. I got to meet a lot of brands, a lot of the people behind the brands, um, and then become familiar with some of the tools and whatnot. And while there Jory was uh, building live and it was the first time they'd had anything like this. And, uh, he just took on this massive uh, credenza build last year and, really could use a hand. So me not having really any obligations to do anything at the show, I hopped in the booth and I gave him a hand. Um, and so this year corporate had an awesome idea in which they would, um, you know, support not only myself and Jory with some publicity around us too. We're, we're doing a class together. If you guys didn't see, we did a giveaway for it sponsored by Woodcraft and, um, we're doing that in the fall Um, And in order to publicize it internally, we did a live build at the show Um, and both Jory's piece was auctioned off at the show and mine will be auctioned off to a local charity in Parkersburg, which is where Woodcraft is headquartered. So setting that stage, they tried to emulate the best they could a wood shop um, to the (laughs) needs of what they thought we felt and what Jory and I tried to come up with beforehand that we thought we need. Um, And for me, uh, and him, it ended up being, you know, uh, a really s- two benches, um, one s- very small, lightweight hand tool woodworking bench. We think we got a 14 a inch bandsaw, four inch tabletop jointer, um, a 15 inch benchtop planer. Um, we had a, con- a contractor grade table saw and a drill press. And so, you know, we were able to we were able to get. A, and now, in all honesty, this is a lot of tools that a lot of people aren't afforded the opportunity to have in most, uh, you know, kind of garage shops. But when you're working in the capacity Jory and I are typically working in, which is, you know, large facilities with large tools, it became very difficult to get used to a setting where you're not you don't have things you're you're usually used to. And that's as that's going to as small as like, you know, we were unplugging extension cords and throwing. Uh, <laughs> and, and strips on the floor in order to get multiple tools plugged in and not having proper power to some stuff or dust right. co- or like pipe dust collection. Or you even sh- the height,
0: the height of stuff, because I know that yeah. was well, something from, that, that oh my you, back you, you is take still for granted. Screaming. Yeah, right. They take her for granted because both you and Jory were like, Oh, this is like, these were li- and then later on figured out that they were actually adjustable, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. It took us till we Even were breaking got down the <laughs> booth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember Jory being like, Oh, these legs are, somebody says like, Oh, Jory, those are adjustable. And he's like, Oh, and he's like, whatever. Like he was just like in the, like, in didn't it, want right? to take the time to adjust it. He was just flying
1: through trying to beat the deadline. And, and yeah, exactly. So like, you know, what, what, and so uh, a specific thing that happened, so we both built dartboard cabinets, um, to continue to set the stage. And Jory is an extremely gifted builder. Um, his brain thinks extremely outside the box, very organically. Um, his design is his design aesthetic is absolutely incredible. Um, so with that comes a little bit of non traditional style and I guess uh, application of woodworking and um, you know him the the knee clamp. I was gonna say the knee clamp. I, I've never
0: seen. I've never seen a man just
1: throw a board on his leg
0: and route it. Yeah, Jury, it was it aggressive. Was like, he's clearly done that multiple times. So <laughs> he's yes, just that's. Like, a good technique for him. <laughs> We're just gonna take the corner off that. Yeah, <laughs> I love and that so guy. he's like he's like Jesse
1: Ueda, like the front right. clamp. He was yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> so, he's perfected that. So you've got uh, you know Jory, who's used to working in an environment that fits his artistic eye and his artistic mind right like you're able to reach and grab things you need left and right you know you know where pretty much all your stuff is well for me I'm like uh I'm not as artistic in my design stuff but I'm very very used to knowing where things are and having certain things a certain way so when it came to like needing to take you know a small part off of a uh, one of the cabinet Um, sides you know I didn't have a joiner that was tuned in to do that for me so I had to do it by hand and then the bench was too light for me to hand tool work on it it was too low so I was basically pushing the bench over and we just started hitting a lot of hiccups that were bringing on a little bit of adversity that I didn't foresee and this was my first year doing this well this was Jory's second so he came like a little bit more prepared had some stuff prepped he had his templates prepped he brought his own um Templating guides and bits and he had some things and he knew the limitations of the space and what they would be and then adapted his build to it when I was assuming that my skills would adapt to uh, you know they were going to just carry me through whatever and I ended up having some limitations based on the setting that I was they were just extremely unforeseen right like (laughs) like so (laughs) I wanted to do hand some hand cut woodworking uh, some hand cut joinery because I've been practicing it a lot and At a show like that, a lot of the vendors are very traditional woodworking companies. Um, I know Jory's aesthetic and his style, um, and I wanted to do something complimentary on the other side of things. So I go to start hand cutting all of my uh, of all my dovetail joinery, um, just your your standard uh, three dovetails and. The bench was very, very lightweight. And I mean, like it was like Brad just put a YouTube video out on a two by four bench that I would have probably rather been working on than the <laughs> one that I was on. And it was super low and the vice wasn't proper. So, like, it was just a lot of things that I personally had um, not thought of. And they right. were just hit me in the face. It was just jammed. Because you were like, chop, yeah, because you were chopping
0: mortises or chopping the tails you know and, and clearing all the wood and trying to clean that out with a chisel and when you're trying to do that you need like a solid bench right because you're just like literally like banging on it and i was just sitting there watching john and so he's he's uh he adapted to he was like sitting down on like i don't know a bucket or something and like sitting down with the yeah with the the vice in front of him like slamming you know his mallet in there the whole the whole bench like literally was like lifting off the Vibrative. ground whenever he hit it it was like Moving around, so <laughs> it was it was quite a sight to
1: see. But you did, you, yeah. You pushed, you pushed through it, though. So, so the so the one thing, uh, you know, to touch on when you're dealing with adversity is 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 understanding yourself, right? Having that kind of introspective understanding of what you're capable of and what your skill set in whatever context can be applied to. So, in that setting. Once I knew I couldn't use a Western saw and do uh, another thing that was happening was the vise didn't have a lot of width to it. So it was pinching in one corner and anytime I'd make a cut, it would the whole would the whole piece would move right in the vise, And then the table would shake, too. So I couldn't couldn't use my Western saw. And uh, and I'm used to at home. Just that's not even like a, a thought like the bench doesn't go anywhere. The vice is exactly what I need. And that's what I learned on. So I was like, all right. And I start spitballing, uh, you know, and I'm throwing some ideas around there and I and I'm like, okay, I know a couple other ways to cut dovetails. Let's try the bandsaw. Right. So I go back into my mental archive that (laughs) I've built over watching content, reading books, uh, trying to get better at the craft um, in order to understand, you know, I guess how a joint goes together um, and know that there's multiple ways to do it. Uh, I guess, in, in, in this kind of context of woodworking. So I'm like, all right, I'll go to the bandsaw. Spags does his on a bandsaw. Cremona uses the bandsaw a ton. Uh, you can make some beautiful joinery. Um, so they have this. It's it's a beautiful machine. It's a 14-inch Laguna uh, Laguna BX. Um, very nice saw. I highly recommend it. I have the 18 BX, a larger version. But on any smaller bandsaw, you don't have the left table tilt you need in order to get to at least a 10-degree um uh, uh, and at least do a, a 10 degree, uh, I guess, whatever table, uh, op- opposite angle on your right. pins. Right. So you cut your pins. You have to tilt the table um, in order to make sure that the angles match your tails, which you can cut with a sled against the fence. Um, and But anyway, so I cut <laughs> I do all of this and I get to that point. I'm like, crap. So now we're hour three and a half right into the show. I don't have a single thing prepped or jointed. Um, and I'm still like trying to deal with this situation of how am I gonna get these done? So I'm like, all right, I'll use the table saw. Well, it was a contractor grade table saw so I didn't have a cast iron top. It was still a good table saw. It was a saw stop, nice gone contractor saw probably the best on the market. Um, and but not having that cast iron top really does make it a little bit difficult to get consistent um, cuts, especially when you're using then they're also using like a thin kerf blade in there. I could have got another blade. I could have got a flat sawn blade. A lot of people that do table saw dovetails have a custom ground blade that's at, uh, you know, 11 degrees or whatever in order to get a flat bottom. So I was like, before I build a jig on this table saw, how do I, uh, how can I do this differently? And I ended up having my (laughs) Katz Moses dovetail jig and my Japanese saws um, that I did. I ended up being able to control it a lot more with a pull stroke than I was a push stroke on my Western saw. So anyway. I got the I get the dovetails cut and I end up getting through that aspect of the project um, and it and ends up wasting, you know, half of a day. Um, and the reason we bring this up is because, uh, you know, adversity is something that, like Brad said at the top of the show, is a staple in any successful business is your ability to overcome. Um, and because I had in the past not just learned one individual aspect of how something is done in my business. Uh, or in the specifically the craft of woodworking, like I learned multiple ways to cut dovetails to try and figure out which way works best for me. What I was able to do was take my uh, back catalog wealth of knowledge and apply it to the situation to give me an opportunity to overcome this adversity quickly um, on site. Um, and, and, it, and it can become really easy, right, to just be like, well, screw it, I'm going to use, you know, box joints or something that I know is a lot easier and a lot, uh, a lot more, you know, applicable with the tools that I have, um, in this setting and completely changed my kind of design. Um, and I could have succumbed to the, you know, the, the situation instead of adapting and overcoming, you know, where I was, where I was seeing some pushback. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's super common in any type of, uh, in any type of business setting. Right. I mean, how many how many instances are is something you know, punching you in the face that you, ha- you have to just stand there um, and weather the blows until you have your opportunity to strike back? I mean, that's like that's life um, in in kind of the grand scheme of things. But especially in business, you know, you're going to consistently get hit in the hit with things that you, you really weren't expecting. Um, and for me. This was an instance where I was like, it was extremely applicable to my skill set instead of like, uh, excuse me, skill set in the shop instead of like general business. But it was still an unbelievable uh, sort of opportunity to be like, wow, thank goodness in the past I took the time to learn, you know, a bunch of stuff that I never thought I would need Um, just because I could could maybe need needed to down the line and happen to be kind of in competition mode in the middle of this trade show. With, <laughs> with you would think you'd have every resource on the planet, but I mean, a lot of the vendors didn't bring a ton of stuff there. There was only a couple tools, so yeah, you know, there but was I, there was there was not as much as as you'd expect. Yeah, my favorite line was, "Oh, the the dow guy doesn't have any dowels." Yeah,
0: <laughs> we were looking for dowels one point because yeah, like everybody knows the dowels, so the dow guy probably doesn't bring dowels to the trade no. show, but just talks about them, but uh I think that the the one of the interesting takeaways from that because you know that's <laughs> just funny funny story to hear you know I was just kind of watching the train wreck unfold and and John trying to figure out how to do these these dovetails is that um there's there's gonna be situations uh some situations will come up out of the blue right and you won't know like uh let's say you're going to get something um professionally finished and then you know it, it the finish is messed up, their machines go down, like something out of your control happens, or even you you didn't have line of sight to it happening. Uh, then you also have kind of the the stuff, which I think, you know, this was the situation where it's like, okay, I know I'm going to be in a different situation. So this would be really applicable to uh, any woodworkers uh, who are going and doing on-site installs. Like I know I'm going to be somewhere out of my comfort zone. And maybe it's a, you know, a first time installer. So somebody who doesn't have a full truck with all the stuff in there. So it's like, what what kind of stuff do I need? So I think that's you know one way to help overcome adversity is to is to have the foresight to think about it in advance, right? So if if it's something that you know is coming, start asking those questions. and And John and Jory did that. You know, they thought, hey, what? Are, and he listed off all those tools. Uh, but it being the first time in that situation, you know, John didn't have the experience to be like, oh yeah, I remember the last time I was there, I needed. You know, this like all those little small things that you just don't think about that are in your shop naturally uh, that just if you list off the top of your head and it's a long list. And that's the problem is there's there's so many little little tools that make your job easier uh, that you have just in arm's reach at your shop that you might not think that aren't in a tool belt or aren't in a place where you just grab a bag and go if you're not an on-site installer. So so that, you know, that would be one of the things I think that we've learned and, and seen is is think ahead Think about, you know, what's the situation and and keep asking those different questions. Like, even if you can walk yourself through the process, because, uh, you know, I would I would imagine that. John, as you were thinking about it, you're like, hey, yeah, dovetails. You took some things for granted, right? Like you. You imagined your shop in that place versus thinking, what are they going to give me? I was thinking asking that question of like, hey, I know if I'm going to cut dovetails, I need a super sturdy workbench. Nope. Didn't and, think of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But like next time. So it's like that's part of it, too. It's like huge learning opportunity. Yeah. But the first time you do something, you're going to ha- like you need to dive deeper, especially with on site installs, because when you get there and if you drive, you know, half hour, an hour to go install something. And if you forgot your your scribe or you forgot your belt sander to do your
1: scribing or your jigsaw or you know whatever it is, like you are up the river. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one aspect of doing custom work is always going to be the delivery and installation, right? And you're always going to find that there's opportunities for some sort of adversity on site um, and that whether that's going to be, you know, a stairwell that your client never told you about, um, whether that's going to be, you know, you're drilling. I've done like floating shelves and hanging things in the, in, in a setting in which I was expecting uh, kind of standard framing or standard sort of drywalling whatever and I get on site and it's brick and I'm like crap I have no masonry (laughs) you know I have no masonry bits or whatever so uh, that's a great example what kind of comes yeah yeah that's a great example of that like
0: that you like and and probably what that has helped you do as well is like so every time you write into one of those that's like a little question in the bag and I I would highly recommend like if you're if you are doing something if you are doing on-site installs that you walk through that process and that every time you run into something like that, you add it to the checklist of questions to ask before you go. Right. So you're going to the install. So, you know, John's asking, hey, you do you have any stairwells? How, how wide are the doors? Uh, what floor is it on? Where is it going to go? Do I have, you know, is there power there? Uh, and now on that list is uh, what material is the wall that we're going to be mounting this to? Yep. Is it brick? <laughs> is it drywall? Is it plaster? Uh, do you have metal studs? Do you have wood studs? Do you know? You know, a lot. A lot of times, people aren't going to know. I mean, they're just going to know. I don't know. It's 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 a painted wall, or it's a brick wall, or it's it's a wooden wall, um, right? So all those things that you know, you should have. Uh, if it is an ongoing thing where you have have different customers, places that you're going to, you should have a rolling list of questions that you ask and that you add to. You know, have it in a Google Sheet or Google Doc that you just keep amending it every time you run into something new. Uh, and maybe it's even a little sheet that you just zip over to your customer, or a Google form that you have them fill out. Hey, can you just answer these eight questions for me real quick? It's going to help the install go the best it can.
1: Yeah, and I think so. I think where this uh, you know kind of conversation is going is to um, you know applying your uh, experience in business to having foresight in the future in order to prevent um, you know situations that could potentially. Be detrimental to a moment like this, um, and I talk to a lot of professional furniture makers and on-site sort of um, installation guys, mostly kitchens and built-ins, and uh, and and those dudes have some guys and girls, I should say, have some incredible uh, preparation uh, checklists as well as systems in place to put them in the best situation while on site to not hit a roadblock that is going to stop them. Um, in their tracks and so as this conversation continues to evolve you know that that's sort of exactly what happened to me right is you you think like oh i'm going on site i'm going to install some shelves all i need is a uh you know a couple of a, a couple bits of my impact drill on, a and level. Level. yeah <laughs> right and then and then you get there and you're like oh i didn't bring a vacuum i brought no jigsaw to scribe these shelves to the wall potentially you know what else could you have potentially forgotten that uh you don't have any drywall anchors and their house happens to be a ryan home which is made with 24 inch center studs (laughs) so like interior walls and or 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 whatever you know so getting a you know understanding that having the the knowledge that you've gained in the past just because you're not always using it could potentially be a um a game changer for you in the future is highly valuable. And it's kind of why Brad and I are always harping on consistently educating yourself. Even if you feel like it's a tangential skill or something that you potentially may not be using on a daily basis, it doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve your time and effort. Um, I haven't done a ton of hand cut dovetail joinery. I've done a few small projects, mostly for personal things, but uh, knowing that I had at least three or four options on how to do them while on site, that's kind of where I was I that's that's where I was weirdly caught off guard with um you know not having the tools uh of as far as the shop setup, not I had every hand tool I could think of to take with me in my bag, but the the shop setup itself was where I i kind of dropped the ball. Um in, in just like having expectations on of things that to me are normal, but in the real world really aren't. Um and, and so that you know, those situations where adversity could present itself because you're out of your element, I think, are way more probable in the custom furniture or like, like uh, we were just talking on the installation kind of business model um, than, than you'd expect. And that's where you need to have great systems in place and having the wherewithal and foresight in order to uh, put yourself in the best situation to, to when you're delivering or when you're on site installing or whatever it might be uh, not run into these hiccups. Uh, and, 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 and they, I think a lot of that comes with experience, right? I mean, yeah. you, you, you're going to know what, you, yeah, what's, what you're running into most and stuff. And, and there's a great, uh, professional cabinet maker on YouTube. His name's Mike Farrington. Uh, I've become a fan. His, uh, his work is incredible, but he like just did a shop tour and walks you through, his shop and then he shows you this whole wall full of sustainers that he legitimately doesn't touch except for installations so if he's going on site and he's like you know i'm doing a built-in he's grabbing x y and z sustainer uh but those don't go in back into the shop it's not like he's taking his jigsaw from his installation bag and putting it back in his shop cabinet like those are just for installation which i Which I thought was a civic kit, which I thought was brilliant. And then it got my mind churning. I was watching this last night, ironically. I got my mind churning on creating systems for those individual moments within your business that aren't necessarily like daily tasks. Right. So, you know, do you have a good system in place for installing projects? Do you have a good system in place for it's just like we've talked in the past on taking uh, inquiries on managing your pipeline? Um, and, and, you know, are these, are these things all cohesive? Is it a good system overall? And then are the parts of the systems also where you're putting a lot of right. time and effort? Um, and I think some, another aspect of adversity that comes into play and that's not just installation or delivery wh- or being on site, which is where I, where I ran in that hiccup is also, you know, within your shop. Right. Well, I think a lot of that is that, uh, it, it, you know, all these things tie together
0: as we've talked about, but the systems and planning can help overcome. Like you can create your own adversity, right? So there's, there's adversity that is unseen. Then there's adversity that you bring on yourself. And that, that could be in time management or that could be in organization. Like you said, like something as simple as, as having, you know, thinking of that thing that you just talked about with Farrington about having an install kit and then a shop kit, like having multiple tape measures and having, you know, not just having multiple tape measures, but having multiple tape measures that are the same exact tape measure, right? Because if you go back and forth between tape, like if you line up two tape measures, uh, especially if they're not high quality, like they could be off, you know, especially over the length of you know, six feet, you might be off by, you know, a 16th or an eighth even um, if it if you get a really bad version or the, the kinds are just, you know, you get a hook that's messed up on one versus the other. So, uh, you know, having things in your shop so that you're. You're not reliant on one piece of equipment and the small stuff, pencils, tape measures, squares, like, you know, all that little stuff where it's not going to like, you know, you're not building your own adversity when you misplace it or just having systems like shadow boards or just, you know, place for everything and everything in its place, knowing where things are uh, that can, you know, efficiency, building in efficiency is basically minimizing adversity. It's the same type thing. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, we we were talking last night, John. with a guy and and talking about uh, having like shop space just in general and having larger projects. So if you're working in a one car or two car garage and you start bringing on more custom jobs and you bring on, you know, an eight foot dining table, uh, you know, how, how does that work? How does that workflow work when you think, oh yeah, this sounds like a great job. I'm going to take it on. uh, And all of a sudden you've got to deal with an eight foot glue up as well as a base, And, you know, how much machinery do I have in the shop? Do I have the right kind of work surfaces and figuring out uh, how to most efficiently work in your shop is is something that's going to just serve you in spades because, you know, same thing, like before you take on a job or, or when you're taking on a job, you need to know, like, you know, how is this something that I've done in my shop? Do I feel comfortable doing it? And that's what, you know, basically adversity is same thing experience. You overcome adversity by going through the experience as well. And once you've done it once, hopefully you figured out you've learned the lesson. You either got burned or you have figured out how to work through it. Uh, but like that's I think the other side of it, too. Right, John, is, is like once you've been through the fire, uh, it's like, you know, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me type thing that if you do, if that same situation comes up and you go through the exact same struggles, like if next year you cut dovetails and you don't ask them like, hey, what can you get a bench? heavier workbench? Yeah. Or like, can you bring in, you know, eight bags of 50 pound sand like, to yeah. weigh this thing down? Like then that's on you because you knew that you know you should have known because you experienced it, so I, I think that's one of the biggest things is is we're all going to go through that's you know we, we always talk about the learning lessons and you learn through failing and and having adversity, but that's the the thing though you have to learn because if you don't adjust and you just do the same thing, then you know you're you're basically you know, just paying the price again, but you've already
1: done it and you haven't figured out how to overcome it. Beating a dead horse. Yeah. And I think the, I think the point to, to pull out of that is that in business, it can seem like you're taking time away from what's actually making you money in order to resolve issues that could potentially come down the line, you know, especially in a workshop setting. Um, for instance, you know, workflow, I think, uh, I think we, Brad and I, if you were paying attention, um, to not only made for profits, Instagram, but our personal ones. Uh, you know, after our Taco Bell celebratory episode 100 <laughs> feast, we popped over to Urban Timber um, and Craig, we've had on the show. Fantastic guest. And we got to see uh, their shop in person. Right. And they had so many little nuances and instances in within their workflow of their shop that were you could definitely tell were uh, were in place because they hit adverse situations in the past that created bottlenecks or that created, um, you know, pileups of of slabs or whatever might have been happening. Um, and they were there in order to eliminate them. Right. So they had their like their kiln came into the one side of the shop. Everything was mapped right into or excuse me, moved right into either long term storage or milling um, and breakdown uh, and, instead of having, you know, cut say potentially having it flipped. But on the other side of it, they are doing some epoxy pouring and they had their own segmented little booth for epoxy pouring just to keep dust and debris and not have it stop their workflow. Cause imagine if you have, you know, like they had, I think what, at least 12 to 15 tables out yeah. on the shop floor. If you're pouring, you know, multiple tabletops and you have to stop because you don't want to make dust, you're losing production time. And that is a, uh, and that's a, a, a bottleneck within your, uh, production system. Um, so Kind of having the wherewithal in, in in a moment that you look at something where you're just trying to get stuff done to take a step back, look at the situation, and go, "Is there a better solution to what I'm about to do?" Um, in in understanding that when moments of adversity strike, if you feel unprepared, it's because you're not prepared, right? Like you didn't put the time or effort in beforehand. Um, and and that was honestly that's something that was constantly harped on us in in football was that. You know, if you're if you go out there and practice all week long and suddenly a hurricane comes in and you're getting a torrential downpour on a Saturday or a Sunday and uh, you've got to change your game plan like you prepped all week for it to to be 70 and sunny. And now you're looking at, uh, you know, just running the ball in a torrential downpour. You can't control that. You have to adapt to, you know, whatever the circumstance is. And and you still have to go out there and perform Um, same kind of thing. You know, if you. If you happen to get an order or something gets sent back to you, um you can't just stop everything you're doing and jump into that. You have to be able to plug it into a system in order to get both of them done both of whatever's going on in tandem kind of thing. Um and understand that adversity happens and that it's not something that where you need to have this massive shock um and and, and prepare yourself for it, you know, before it actually happens. Um yeah. and and that's hard, right? You have you have to have some foresight. I think
0: the hardest though I, I I love what you're saying there. Like, that's a great example of having like rework or something because you have to be, um, I I think what I see a lot and I personally do it at times as well, is that you get into that, like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like why, you know, and, and get into that, um, phase where you're, you're basically like in denial or blame or put it, you know, like, Oh, they're the ones that messed it up or like whatever. And, you know, there's, there's a certain time or place, but like, whatever's happening, like is happening, right? Like this is, this is back in your shop. You're not going to talk it away. Um, you know, there, there could be some in that specific example, you know, maybe say whatever, I'll just give you some money off or whatever, but let's just say you can't, it has to come back like that. The more time you spend on bemoaning the fact that you're in this situation and adversity is happening, the less time you're spending to solve it. Right. So I think that's one of the, one of the things that people that are really successful at it, um, that, you know, I always am trying to work on because I'm, I'm not the greatest at it is, is to just like accept it, right? Okay. Here's the situation. How are we going to solve it? So going straight from like the blow up to like the solution Mm -hmm. in as short a time as possible and and not spending too much time fuming over it and, you know, arguing with whoever brought this thing in front of you, like it's happening, you're in it. What's going to happen now? What's going to happen next to most efficiently get out of it. And, and I love the aspect of, of like you talking earlier, John, about learning different ways to cut dovetails and things like that um you know that was something that i i spent gosh years and years and years reading woodworking magazines and they all have those like little tips and tricks in them you know yeah so i've seen like so eh, that's many of those of them. yes exactly uh i have this just like mental library of all these things that um like you said you don't think you'll ever use and then like some little situation comes up and you're like oh well what if we uh like, Or I think that's another place that the community really comes in, in handy, um, you know, specifically the Instagram community. Like there's always people that are uh, posting tips or like you're just like you said, you're just looking at Mike Farrington like, oh, my gosh. Like and he wasn't necessarily posting a tip just showing like, hey, here's what I've got. Here's how I do it. Uh, and that's a great place to, to take takeaways, uh, to get takeaways from. But the same at the same time, if you do run into an issue and you're like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Like, you know, throw it out in a story. Hey guys, or throw it out on your main feed. Like I just ran into this issue. Like anybody got a solution? Like, I've done that so many times. Asking, you know, when I'm doing something new, I'll ask people, hey, have you used X, Y, or Z before? Uh, the first time I was doing epoxy, like, you know, like calling or uh DMing Jeff Mack and and the Black Force guys and being like, Hey, like what yeah. <laughs> how does this work? I was like Doing that last th- week. <laughs> yeah, like there's so many uh people out there that have gone through the situation. So when you do hit adversity, don't, uh, you know, don't try to be a hero in the sense that if you don't know the solution, uh, if you're not confident about how to best attack it, you go into that's, that's one of the benefits of community. That's, I mean, actually like the MFP tribe uh, Facebook Mm -hmm. group is a perfect example of that. I mean, we have uh, over a thousand people in that group and people are throwing up questions all the time about websites, about whatever, like, you know, that that's basically what that group is. It's a bunch of people facing every question, pretty much every question that gets it's like, asked, hey, I hit this hiccup. There's a root <laughs> of adversity behind it. Right. Yep. Exactly. So use the community to your benefit, uh, because there are people out there who have been in that same situation. And, you know, there's the, the whole there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, there's not many things that uh, can come in front of you that you couldn't rally a thousand people to figure out you know, a possible solution for it. So yeah, uh, use the community
1: to your benefit is, is a great way to to help overcome adversity as well. And and I think one thing to understand uh, as well is that adversity is constant, right? It is. It's it's real. It's the real world. You can't avoid it. So being as prepared as possible is, is definitely where you need to um, have your mindset um, and understanding that it is going to happen. But also, um also understanding that in business that you're people outside of your business almost always have no sympathy to your personal adversity right and and it sucks but it's the way it is right like so understanding that part of things you need to you need to be able to take a deep breath and look at the situation with a clear head and not panic and get emotional about something um whether you've got you know you ordered uh you know 200 board feet of maple and it comes in and your yield you know with 10 percent uh on top of whatever you're needing for a job and it actually ends up being a 25 percent waste and you have to get more but you're squeezed on time like understanding that that's that's the real world just handle it right and don't get uh to a situation where you're just complaining about you know this happened and it's not my fault um and i've ran into those situations a lot i've actually ran into that recently um as as most of you that follow me know that uh, a good friend of mine passed away early in May um and I had a rough you know week or two there but uh with that came time commitments outside of the shop and things that I you know put ahead of of the business um and put me back in the timeline on some other stuff so fast forward to now I've got a job on the bench that I lost uh a week and a half of uh, production time on other things that has turned into you know being two weeks almost behind on this job um, and instead of looking at it and trying to articulate that to the client i've just internalized it and said well here's a situation where i have three things on my bench one of them i literally can't touch myself so how do i handle it um and so i i looked into um i looked at myself and i said well what am I willing to trade off here? Obviously, not quality for the end product of the client. I was like, I can, I'll take a hit on my profits. Um, and I hired a subcontractor to come in. I also uh, looked into, you know, taking their fifteen desktops, taking the desktops to a another shop with a wide belt sander, um, speeding up that efficiency of that kind of time, but having the wherewithal to know to one be involved in the community to have that resource to go to somebody else like Brad was just touching on and two having the wherewithal to understand that um there's more than one way to skin a cat and that there's more than one way to get this job done the sacrifices that need to be made are on me and not on the client or not on the external uh, individuals within the situation that the adversity is happening to it's on you and you got to have ownership of those situations. Um, you know, me getting to the show, I could easily point fingers and I did, I did complain, but I was pointing fingers and, 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 you know, complaining about the, the work environment in which I was provided. Um, but that was nobody's fault. I wasn't clear in letting them know that I needed a, a steady, solid workbench with a through vice in order to hand cut, um, you know, dovetail joinery. Uh, and and that was on me. So I knew I had to handle it in that situation and I could pivot the design. I ended up pivoting the design on the doors. Um, we did some wild stuff there, but like looking at the adversity itself for me to point the finger and blame someone else or an external influence or whatever, um, doesn't get anything solved. And I think that's an important part of adversity, right? Um, it's very easy to look at a rough situation and, uh, and, 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 and project your disappointment on that situation or project the reasoning things are happening. Um, And I've done that a lot in the past, especially with materials, especially with um, communicating to clients. And it does happen. You know, tragedies happen, things happen, but the more you can figure out ways to internally handle adverse situations, the better you're going to become not only as a person, but in your business. Um, And so that's kind of like, you know, a little snippet of a situation I've gone through recently, where I was like, you know, I don't want to do this job. I can't believe this happened. Blah blah blah. And I was just like, no, John, buck up and get it done. Like, you have to figure out a way to uh, get this job out the door. You made a commitment. There's a deposit. You know, like, there's a lot more going into it than you um, get over your own personal feelings towards something and get it done. Um, and then, you know, then taking that step to figuring out how I'm actually going to do it. um, I used to reach this. I used to run into this a lot when I was backing up projects in my small shop um, in the basement um, shop a couple, two shops ago. Um, and I didn't have enough room for a lot of stuff. Like I'd ha- I only had, you know, one workbench. And when I had three projects going, I didn't really know how to handle them. And I would just be like, oh, well, I don't have enough room. Can't get, I got to finish this one before I can finish that one. Um And then when I got to, you know, I hired a business coach. They're like, whoa, 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 wait, you're telling me you're not scheduling your stuff around the workflow and the stages in which the projects are in. And if you're using similar materials or, you know, are you subcontracting or what's the deal here? And I was like, no, I'm just doing them all. You know what I mean? <laughs> just doing them. Man. So Come like, on. what's the deal? So having the wherewithal to know that like, oh, I'm going to hit a hiccup when I have two dining tables in assembly. Why don't I put, why don't I get one, you know, both tops to finish. So they're out of the room and then work on the bases or, or things like that. Um, those situations they're they're they like, they don't seem like adversity until you're in it and you're scrambling to finish two pieces of furniture and get two pieces delivered. And, you know, you're, you're letting a little bit of quality QC can kind of fade on one or two. And I just feel like, consistently understanding that this is going to be hard and that there's going to be adverse situations is a better mindset than trying to ignore it. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you've got to look it in the face and just figure it out. And it, you know, that it, it's going to make you better when you're done. But and I think those are some good takeaways guys. And as you go through it, uh, the, the biggest thing is just to make sure you learn. And that's the whole idea is, uh, you know, don't back down from it and then learn from it because adversity is never going to go away. Like John was saying, it's It's, it's a constant change is a constant adversity is a constant. It's going to be something new every other week. And there's going to be some stuff that comes up over and over again. And if you've internalized the lesson learned and made changes in your process, then you're going to come out better the next time. So, um, you know, just that's something we, we all should be striving for. And, and, you know, the other thing is, is that you'll never be a hundred percent either. So <laughs> give yourself yeah. some grace on the other end when, when you're like, Oh gosh, I should have known this was coming <laughs>
1: uh,
0: because that's going to happen too. But good conversation, man. I thought it was a an interesting topic that uh, just kind of spurred out of that, that trade show. So we wanted to hit on that and uh, you know, vibe yeah. a little bit and share some experiences. So.
1: Yeah, something I was definitely like losing sleep over. Uh, good. Those are always good topics for the show. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in the moment, I was like, "Ah, what am I going to mm, do? Yes. That was that was quite the sight. So
0: yeah, yeah. If, you, if you've not seen uh, what John and Jory did, uh, go check that out. Uh, is the uh, is I the contest, will have a video the contest closed yet.
1: Contest is, has been closed. Yeah, they closed okay. and announced it um, literally right before the show. But I actually will have a video published before this comes out. So check out my YouTube channel. You can get us, you know, all, this, all the celebrities are popping in. We've got Brad himself in the flesh. <laughs> uh, Ashley Harwood's in there. Um, and then myself and Jory. Uh, but you get like a feel for the show, the show, the, the show floor and kind of yeah. like the difference in the tools I'm using on a daily and the ones we had there. Um, it was really cool environment, uh, super blessed to have woodcraft have both of us out there. Um, that was a lot of fun. Brad actually gave me a ton of help jumping in on my project, especially towards the end when I was scrambling, um, weren't able to get it done. I, I ordered the wrong hinges, um, and I changed my design and it just, it just ended up being a beautiful box. But with that, all good uh but it's all good you know really it's amazing really fortunate to ha- uh, it's it's a good learning experience next year at the show um definitely won't let that happen but awesome uh awesome experience super grateful and thankful to woodcraft like uh to having both of us out there and and also for supporting mfp and don't forget if you want free shipping in the lower 48 on things that don't weigh tons uh use Just the code use mfp code
0: mfp yeah and you're all good awesome all right guys well we will catch you guys on the next episode right now we're gonna go head over to our after show Let's go do it, man. Let's do it.